What's up, everybody? How are we doing? Are we doing good? Let's try that again. How was Christmas? All right. Hey, um, I missed you. Uh, anyway, hey, my name is David Booth. I'm one of the worship pastors here, and uh, I love getting to sing with you guys each and every week. But uh, today, I'm grateful for the opportunity that I get to speak to you. Um, yeah, buckle up, everyone. Uh, hey, just one quick thing about me. Uh, this is my wonderful wife, Naomi, and my son, Bear. Uh, so that's been exciting and really fun uh, getting to become a parent. And uh, she's such a great mom, and he's a pretty, he's a pretty great little dude. Um, but uh, <laughs> one of the things that we uh, in church tend to hear over and over again um, a lot of times we hear these little phrases and they get stuck in our head and they lose their meaning. Uh, things like, uh, you don't have to have it all together, or, uh, well, you can just come as you are, or Jesus loves you just the way that you are. I mean, those things are all true, right? But the problem is that we hear them so often, a lot of times they lose their meaning, just like when you use the word love too much and you start talking about how you love your parents, you love your dog, and then you love your tacos, and all of a sudden love kind of like feels different. Um, cause we, we overuse the phrase. Um, but, uh, I'm one of those guys who definitely does not have it all together. Uh, and I just kind of want to start off by telling you a quick story, uh, about that. So when I was 14 years old, I moved down to Texas and that was one of like the biggest earth shattering moves for me. And, uh, I decided, Hey, maybe I should learn how to play the guitar. And, um, I was really mad about it because, I found that after like a week of playing, I wasn't amazing. Um, no matter how often I tried, I found myself to be pretty terrible. Uh, so I practiced a lot. I practiced like six to eight hours a day, every day. Uh, and then I failed my freshman year in high school. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. So uh, if any of you guys who are in summer school, no shame. There is hope. I promise you. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a walking example of that. Um, but anyway, I, I worked so hard, uh, and I practiced and practiced and practiced, and eventually I got to the point where I am today where I can have a job out of it, but I'm still not as good as half of my friends who are playing on Taylor Swift records and touring across the world and playing at Red Rocks and opening for Need to Breathe, and uh, that's okay. That's just fine. I don't have to have everything all together, but the... The thing about relationships and the thing like skills is that it takes time. It's not something that just comes naturally to us. It's not something that comes quickly. Uh, it takes effort. It takes practice. It takes time to build that. Um, recently, I've had the opportunity to start attending seminary, and this has opened my eyes quite a bit to the way that I look at the scriptures. Um, and so I'd like to address this idea of we don't have to have it all together um, and I'd like for us to look at a dude who really didn't have it all together. His name is Abraham. Uh, but before we get there, I kind of want to set the backstory that Abraham is walking into. Um, so I hope you're okay with this. I'm, I'm super nerdy. I like real nerdy. Um, and so I, I kind of like to teach a little bit scholastically. And uh, I think it's, it's hard because a lot of times we, we hear like, names like Ur and Shechem, and you're like, no geological reference point to that. Like if I said, yeah, we're traveling from old Dimebox to College Station, Texas, 
Like, who knows how long that is? Anybody? It's 45 minutes. Um, but uh, so what I kind of want to do is I want to talk a little bit about Genesis 1 through 3. So you have the creation story. It's good. It's wonderful. We're living in harmony with who God created us. You meet Adam and Eve. Adam means humanity. Eve means life. I think that's cool. Uh, and they live in this beautiful place. And up till then, they have relied on God to define what is good and what is evil. And then God commands them. He says, hey, there's this, there's this tree with fruit of good and evil um, for the knowledge of good and evil and, and don't eat of it. And really what's happening here is Adam and Eve are left with a choice. Do they trust God's definition of what good and evil is, or do they open up their own eyes to it uh, and decide what is good and evil? Um, it turns out we're really bad at deciding this, and they ate it, uh, and we start spiraling. Um, and so that's Genesis 1 through 2 in a nutshell. And so it kind of like, here's, here's where we are, like up top with God in paradise. And then it slowly just kind of starts going like this, and it starts spiraling way out of control. And it eventually gets like basically below the carpet. But um, so Genesis 3 through 11, sum, summarize that really quick. It's all about how they're naked, they're shamed. Cain kills his brother. And then you have this really weird dude. So like we have Cain. Uh, and then we have Lamech, who's really lame. What? Uh, anyway, he's not uh, he's not really that lame. He's actually terrifying. He's a dude who collects wives like property uh, and then sings songs about how he's much more violent and vengeful than Cain ever was. Um, and then things get so bad with the human race. Uh, you have enter Noah. Uh, and typically we look at this story and we're like, oh, this is how God is just very angry in general. But this story actually starts off with sadness and grief for his people. Uh, and uh, out of his passion to preserve this creation that he once had in the goodness and world, he washes it clean with the flood. Um, but Noah gives us this glimmer of hope. So, like, <laughs> we get to this, like, little uptick right here, right? See it? It's an uptick um, with Noah. And then it gets worse um, because uh, things get really weird. He gets off the boat. He gets really drunk. Um, terrible things end up happening. Humanity keeps on spiraling, so we're still moving down this trajectory. Um, and uh, we get to this last story. It's the Tower of Babel. Uh, and um, everyone's igni uh, like uniting around this new technology, the brick. It's exciting. Um, and they decide they're going to build a tower that's going to reach up uh, to where God is, and they want to elevate themselves to that status. And God knows that this is going to be a nightmare, so he scatters them. Um, and that, that's where we meet Abraham. So not necessarily at humanity's finest point, right? So basically from Genesis 11 all the way through Revelation is about bringing us back to this, bringing us back to the start. It's that story. Um, typically, when people define good and evil for themselves, uh, without God in the picture, it results in tragedy and death. Uh, and so now we enter into Abraham. So um, let's take a look at where Abraham is from. Uh, this is a beautifully drawn map. Thank you. I am an artist. Um, Thank you. Okay, yeah. So 
Abraham exists about 4,000 years ago. Um, homeboy's pretty old. And um, things look really different uh, back then than they did today. They don't think about God the way that we do now. Um, so people thought that there were many gods. They're all polytheists. So there's a God who controls the sun, another God who uh, controls the moon, another God who controls a, the rains, those God's parents who like keep them in line, keep them in check. Uh, and one thing that you definitely knew about the gods was um, don't make them angry uh, because then the sun won't come out or the rains won't happen. And you see famines and stuff, and that, um, that kind of makes sense to, that, that's your worldview, like you don't worship the God and, and the rains don't come and then we start starving and then so you start worshiping the God of rain and rains come and famine leaves. Um, another thing that looks a little bit different about 4,000 years ago uh, is Abraham doesn't live in a city like we do today. He's what's called a pastoral nomad. Anybody ever heard of that word? It's fun. Yes, a couple of you. Um, this is a type of people group uh, that move from field to field, city to city, with um, their giant flocks from season to season, uh, and they don't really stay in the same place too long. So how many of you thought that Abraham was the kind of guy who, like when you hear the story of Abraham, it's him and his wife and his kid, right? That makes sense because it feels like that's how it's written. Um, it's not. It's like a, it's a lot of people. Um, so there's going to be a lot of text. Brace with me. Brace, uh, brace, brace on this whole thing, because what um, I think it's important for us to kind of get the whole picture of things, and then we can really dive into what God's trying to teach us. So if you read along with me, uh, it says this, the Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Bless you. And whoever curses, curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Um, that's kind of strange. Um, here's, here's the big thing uh, that you need to catch out of here. Uh, it is, uh, go back really quick. All right, it says, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Okay, so what you have are two action words inside of this. You have go, right? Yes, big word, go. Uh, and then you have be a blessing. I'm just not, yep, blessing. Can you read it? Okay, I don't care. Um, anyway, let's keep moving. All right, so Abram went and the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set off from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. And Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem and the time the Canaanites were in the land. Okay, so let's start here. This is, uh, you guys ever been to Dubai? Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. That's not it. Um, anyway, it's closer over here. Um, Okay, so right here is Egypt, okay? Over here, you have the Tigris and Euphrates River. You remember reading about that in school? That's where, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Abraham, 
Abram, Abraham, he gets his name changed later, so if I mix them up, just deal with it. Uh, anyway, he starts off in Ur, and then he travels up along into Haran, and that's where we meet him, and he's like, hey, take your family. This is where God meets him, right? Uh, and he says, I want you to start moving south. Now, what do we remember about Abram? He's a pastoral nomad, right, everyone? So does Abram stay in the same place? No, exactly. So this is a normal thing for Abram to do. He's just moving south. Now, when these places would um, like post up at a city, um, in the land of Israel, there's like all these, for us, they would look like mini mountains. It's like this just giant hill and then like a wall. And these guys aren't like cavemen idiots. They have cisterns that are like 50 meters deep. They're filled with water. It's very advanced uh, and they would come up, and they're like, hey, we need some water. And they're like, hey, we need some livestock. And so there's this, there's this bartering and trading system that would happen. So whenever they would come into a city, you have a ton of people walking up to this hill. What's the ruler going to do? He's going to be like, I need to meet with those people and find out what do they want. Are they, are they mean people, or are they just here to do some trading? Does that make sense? This will come in hand later, I promise. Okay, so... Let's keep going. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, also, side note, remember how they're all polytheists, right? So Abraham doesn't really have a huge context for who God is yet. Right now, just a God is talking to him, and um, he's like, hey, leave. He's like, okay, I guess I'll do that. I don't want to make you angry. Uh, but he just kind of goes on his natural progression. Anyway, let's continue. Uh, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he went towards the hills uh, east of Bethel and pitched his tent with the Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. That's right here. See it? That's the spot. Um, there he built an altar to the Lord and he called the name of the Lord. And then Abram set out and continued towards Negev. Uh, and now there is a famine in the land. Okay, so um, if there's a famine in the land, what does that mean, everyone? There's no food. Okay, so we're right here. There's no food. Where is food? Right here in Egypt. Yeah, where all the, like, the Nile is. That's where all the food is. So it's a natural progression for him to start walking that way. Um, all right, let's keep going. And Abram went down to Egypt. Looky there. He's there now. See that? Okay. Um, to live there for a while because the famine was very severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he looks at his wife Sarai and says, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they'll say, this is his wife. Then they'll kill me, but they'll let you live. Say you're my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake. And my life will be spared because of you. I love it. Hey, um, hey, keep going. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw Sarai was a very beautiful woman. And when the Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace, and he, was, and he treated Abram well for her sake. And Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. Um, this is really weird, is it not? Like, why is this in the Bible? 
Um, why is he lying about who his wife is? Um, I'll tell you why. He's afraid. And he's scared and he's doing what any normal dude would do in this situation, in this time of the world. Um, he's lying. He's trying to save everyone and himself. He doesn't know what's going to happen. And can you see how this guy doesn't really have it all together? He's wandering aimlessly through, uh, through this like world. And he's like, okay, God, I see you have a purpose for me, but what gives? Uh, and he goes around lying. Um, but quick question, does God like lying? No. Then why does he get all of these uh, sheep, goat, cattle, male and female donkeys, servants? Like, it feels like Abram is lying and like making out like a bandit. True? Yes. Um, all right. But then check this out. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. That's bummer, dude. Um, so do you guys remember, if you can remember back, what is the, what's the directive that God gives Abram? What's that word? Go and be a what? Blessing. What has he done to Pharaoh? What's, what's happened to Pharaoh? He's, he's been cursed. Is Abram doing a good job at being a blessing? No. Is Pharaoh doing a good job of showing what it means to be a blessing? Yes. Yes, because, because Pharaoh gives Abram all this stuff. He blesses his socks off, even though Abram is not faithful to, he's lying about who this woman is. So, all right, let's keep going. Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? He said, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here's your wife. Take her and get out of here. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. This is just a weird story. You might be asking yourself, what's the point of all this? Uh, how does Abraham not have it all together? He got all this sweet stuff over a lie, and how cool is that? Um, but here's the deal. Uh, God is starting a relationship with Abram, and this is the status of the world. It's at the bottom point. It's, God wants it here, but it's starting off at the bottom. Um, and God is not going to throw the book at Abram just because he's not perfect yet. It's not that God doesn't care it's that right now, this isn't important. God told him, go and be a blessing. God is blessing Abram more than he could know through Pharaoh, through a lie. It's kind of this weird thing of, like, you don't know what, um, what something is until somebody shows you. You, you. you don't grasp the full understanding of what mercy is until somebody shows and extends you mercy. Is that right? It's the same kind of thing here. So you have to understand, Abraham doesn't have the rules that we grew up with. He never knew God. This is the start of a relationship. Here's, here's an example. Um, so I grew up uh, having shoes on in my house, and that wasn't a big deal. And it was, are some of you appalled by this? Yes. See, some of you are. Okay. Um, and whenever I went over to a friend's house... Uh, they always took off their shoes, and I would, if I like marched right on in with my shoes on, my friend's mom would just say, um, hey, can you please take your shoes off, right? 
And it's like no big deal. It just becomes this kind of thing. Uh, but what do you think happens if my friend walks into his own house with the shoes on? What's the reaction from mom? It's totally different. Why? The relationship's built up, right? Um, another example of that was uh, when I was a small child, I hated crust on my sandwich. Uh, and I'd throw, I'd throw a really big fit about it. Um, and like I'd throw it back at my mother. Um, but, uh, like, do you think that I could do that now? No, because full-grown adults don't do that. Um, we have the relationship built. My mom would be like, dude, this is completely out of proportion of the way that you've been behaving recently. I don't understand why you're throwing crust at me. Are you really hungry? Are you sleeping well? What's going on? Um, but he- here's, here's, here's the kicker. Uh, eight chapters later, Abraham does the same thing with another king, and it doesn't go quite as smoothly. He once again, he lies out of fear and God protected him and Sarah through the lie, but you can start to see God changing Abram's heart. So you see, Abraham is starting to realize that wherever he went, the Lord went with him. He's changing. He's starting to mature inside of his faith. The relationship with God is starting to develop. He can't wear the shoes in the house anymore. He's no longer the man he was when he started the journey. So let's take a look at this passage. Paul writes this. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So what does this mean? Why should you care about any of this? What Paul means by... uh, I no longer, uh, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Uh, ha-ha. Uh, uh, it's the same as Abraham. Abraham realizes that God is with him, that he's everywhere he goes. You're slowly gro- growing, learning in that time that God is helping you have it all together, but this is a process, and you may find yourself in two spots. One, you may be telling yourself, I've got it all together. You don't. Um, you also maybe find yourself going like, I don't have it all together. It's a good starting place. You, you're right. Um, but don't stay there. God wants a relationship with you. With your friend um, that you think is godless, God wants a relationship with that. Uh, with the one who thinks that they're too bad to be saved, God isn't concerned with perfection. And I want you to know that when you walk through these doors in this room, you do not have to have it all together. You don't need to be polished, but it doesn't mean you stay there. Catch that? It's not good enough for us to sit in this spot that says, well, God just loves me just where I'm at. It's okay. I don't have to have everything together. But what we constantly see is that God is working in relationship with us. We can't be the kid who just marches into our house with the shoes on anymore. The relationship is deepening. And that relationship isn't something that just happens overnight. It's not that we can become guitar masters, guitar heroes overnight. It takes practice. It takes time. It takes work. It takes sacrifice. Our relationship with God is something that takes time. It takes work. It takes sacrifice. Friends, I'm going to invite the band back up. And we're going we're gonna to close out in a couple of different worship songs. Um, 
We're, we're going to be learning a new song tonight, uh, and one of the lyrics in it is, Don't Let Your Heart Be Troubled. Hold your head up high, don't fear no evil, fix your eyes on this one truth, God is madly in love with you. And friends, I want you to hear that, God is madly in love with you tonight. But don't be satisfied with staying in one spot. I want you to grow. So let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for tonight. We thank you that we get to come into this place and sing the praises of who you are. Lord, we thank you that you are constantly and relentlessly pursuing a relationship with each and every one of us. Lord, would you teach us Teach us to grow in faith. Lord, will we build that relationship on your love and see fruit from it. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Friends, why don't you come forward and we'll sing together.